Hello, Texans, and welcome. It's Texans All Access, like the man said, from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio inside NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you tonight as we talk about OTAs and minicamp. Really, minicamp is the camp du jour. It's practice du jour. OTAs are over. But minicamp was kind of light today compared to what we've seen at some of the OTAs. That's how they're handling it going into tomorrow, going into the break between minicamp and training camp that I choose to call the desert. So we have a lot to do tonight. So we'll talk about that. We'll visit with Deshaun Watson in segment two. That'll be around 618 to 620 tonight. We'll check in with Deshaun. Nice conversation with him, including but not limited to him making me feel very old. And in the final segment, some gut reaction to some of the things Watson has to say. We'll hear from J.J. Watt in just a few moments. But, Johnny, obviously, after practice today, the big questions about the Texans' search for a general manager, the franchise in transition, and that position right now. So it was understandable that the media would want to know some stuff. Oh, and the media was crawling. <laughs> crawling around over here. It was not surprising to see that many cameras, that many Faces that we know in the media here, but everybody was here. They wanted to hear what uh, the Texans were going to have to say, figuring that Bill O'Brien was going to meet with the media and hear what he had to say about the situation. And and look, going in, I, I mean, I I knew what was going to happen. I figured you knew what was going to happen, and that Bill wasn't going to share conversations that he's had with Cal or other people in the organization, even though people were going to ask the questions. And there were there was a time during the press conference where Bill was like, look, I understand you're asking these questions. I understand why you're asking these questions. Look, he's from Boston. He, he gets it. Yeah. But he's not going to share that information, and, and he shouldn't. Nope. Those, those are conversations that he had with his boss, with his superiors, uh, here with the Texans. He shouldn't share those things. Well, your, and he does. He did share some things, and this was his statement that he opened the press conference with. And this is basically everything you needed to hear about what he was going to say about the Texans' general manager situation currently. Cal McNair said it all in his statement the other day. Uh, he did a thorough evaluation of the football operation. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he did it by himself, but... He did a thorough evaluation of the football operation, and that included me. Uh, he was very clear with me on, on what we needed to do to continue to grow as an organization, as a football team. Uh, a couple things on Cal. Um, you know, obviously last year was a tough year relative to losing uh, his dad, Bob McNair, and, uh, and, in, and really, you know, getting to know Cal over the last, uh, you know, few months here, obviously since November. He's a humble, humble person. Uh, he's very... Um, very good at articulating what he wants, what he sees, his vision, um, you know, the improvements that he thinks needs to be made uh, relative to the whole building, not just uh, coaching staff, but the whole building. I don't think, uh, you know, obviously he's not afraid to make tough decisions. Um, and uh, number one is relative to this football team, he wants to win. Uh, he's been perfectly clear, like I said uh, in the beginning, he's been perfectly clear with me. Uh, what he wants, uh, what he what he wants me to improve on, what he wants me to do, and um, and he's been perfectly clear with the whole organization on what his expectations are moving forward. So, with that being said, um, not going to really get into any more details relative to that. Obviously, no conversations with Cal. I'll, I'm not going to talk about any of those things. Bill O'Brien in front of the media today as he was asked about the general manager situation. Now, another guy appeared in front of in front of the media. In fact, there were a few, but one of them named J.J. Watt. You've heard of him. 
And you know that last year he was coming back from an injury that cost him most of 2017. 2017 was a season in which he was coming back from an injury that cost him most of 2016. So he's coming off a full season, and he's feeling a whole lot better this year than he did last year at this OTA slash minicamp part of the campaign. I feel a lot better, obviously, mentally last year than this year because I'm not wondering. You know, last year was a lot of wondering, hoping, um, having a good idea that I was on the right path, but you never know for sure when you're coming off of what I was coming off of this year. You're not coming off of as much. You're just working and growing and getting better, and you have more of a solid and confident stance. And I think that that's where I'm at this year is that I'm, I'm very confident, um, whereas last year I was confident but kind of hesitant. And so this year that hesitancy is gone, not having come off of a, a bad injury but coming off of a, uh, a solid season. And so it's good to have that feeling, and it's good to be going into a season without those doubts. And Watt also did talk a little bit about getting engaged and things like that and how difficult it is to schedule a wedding, even for normal people, but especially for Watt because his bride has her Houston Dash season. He has his Houston Texans season. Hard to find those dates on the calendar. Kind of reminds me. Never mind. I'm not going to get into my own personal story. But it does happen to a lot of people, and we get it. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, my season was over. Uh, when my wife and I got got married in December, so as soon as my season was over, it was like, okay, we got these things to do for the wedding. I was like, uh, and then yeah. I was coaching baseball, so it was like, found that window in December, so December fifteenth. Can so. I give guys the the ultimate hint here, or helpful hint in terms of being engaged and getting ready for the big one? Yes, honey. What do we need to do? Yes, exactly. Just go with it, and if you can get out of shopping for the registry, just get out of it. Have her mother or your mo- or somebody else go with her. <laughs> You you do not want to get involved with this. There's so many different layers to this. Oh, Why and it's just you don't so want to? It, yeah because you know you could just say yes 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 whatever you say. Well, wait a minute. I want you to have an opinion on this, and then when you do have an opinion, it's going to be debated. So just try to get out of shopping for the registry. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yes. You see, Texans All Access. We help you in a variety of ways. It's not just about football. It's about life. That's what we do. Anyway. You heard from J.J. Watt. You heard from Bill O'Brien. If there's anything happening with the general manager situation, you know to keep it right here on Sports Radio 610, our partner at us six nights a week at 6 o'clock and HoustonTexans.com and all of it. So we'll keep you informed. I don't know if there's much to say on that right now. We talked last night about the timing of the search and how it's not such a bad time because the draft choices are in the barn the 90-man roster basically in the barn. There will be tweaks and everything. Everybody tweaks, but you got the bulk of the players on this roster. All right, a few other things that Bill O'Brien had to say. He talked about improvement. D.B. City wrote about this on HoustonTexans.com, how that's been the theme of the offseason. And it sounds simple, but I don't think that this should be overlooked. Watson's always talked about 1% better every day. You'll hear from Watson in the next segment. And I think that... If you apply this to life, any walk of life, you're going to get a whole lot better if you try to get a little tiny bit better every day. It doesn't take much. It's the accumulation over time. People in the financial world will tell you compounded interest does pay off, right? How about you, that, Johnny? You went there. I went there. You went there. Very but, nice. But that exists in That's sports, true. too. There's a compounded so interest sort of effect when you're trying to get a little tiny bit better every day. No question. And I think a guy like Deshaun in particular being the quarterback of this team and we'll talk with him about this, just the comfortability you have with the office, the comfortability you have with the people around you. I think OTAs, 
are the toughest for obviously the offensive linemen because they don't get to do what they're asked to do on a every every week basis. How hard is that for them, by the way? They well, can't fire off like they probably want right. to get angry right. and hit something every once in a while. Defensive players certainly do, but yeah. as an offensive lineman, you really can't be aggressive out there. Yeah, and I think that to me is the hard part, but it's also to the point of, as you said with Deshaun, one percent better every day. So if you're a lineman and you know you're not gonna hit anybody what is it that you are going to work on that day to get better that day? Is it your footwork, for foot placement? Is it your kick step? Is it your, your, your punch when you're working on the backs? Is it you want to do something quicker? You want to do something faster? You want to be more deliberate with something? Mm-hmm. You want to see something the defense is doing today that you didn't see yesterday? You want to be more in tune to the entire uh, offense, what the entire offense do, not just your little role. So what is it as an offensive lineman in particular, or even a defensive lineman, but the lineman in particular that is going to make you better day after day? And that, I think, ends up being the hard part because today we, we watched wide receivers, even in a, a shortened practice, if you will, we saw the wide receivers working on the finer points of certain routes. Yeah. So they can run a route and they can work on their route running every time they're doing something. Defensive lineman, eh, not not so much. You know, making making contact with somebody is a lot different than blocking somebody. Right. And you can't work on those two particular aspects during OTA. So how do linemen end up getting better? I mean, that's that's it's actually something the general and I were talking about out at, at OTAs a little bit today. Like, how do you know an offensive lineman's getting better? It's, it's pretty tough, but watch the footwork, watch how quick they are, do they recognize things? Out here, how can you tell? That's yeah, got to be really. It's really tough, but I mean, there, I can't tell a thing. I mean, mean the, it's hard for me. No, there's, there's no you question. You can do it. You've, you've played hard. the game well, and coach. Well, it's hard for everybody, I think, because we don't know. Okay, what's the what's the assignment on this play? What are they supposed to be able to do on this play? But you can see from day one. I'll take for instance Titus Howard, Max Sharping. I remember seeing them in rookie minicamp, and first day of rookie minicamp, it's the first time that they're in a different environment than they were in college. Right. It's the first time that they're getting different coaching for the most part. I mean, they were at the Senior Bowl for a little bit, but yeah. Senior Bowl, it's more about creating competition than it is about, hey, we're going to mess with your technique or all that kind of stuff. So when their first day at rookie minicamp, I'm watching and I'm looking at their technique because I'm so used to seeing the NFL guys, watching our guys do it, and seeing the technique that they're bringing because they've crafted it over years, and it just looks so clean. And then you watch the rookies and you're like, whoa, okay, I can see where their technique needs to get better, where – foot placement, stance, all that kind of stuff needs to get better. But then when I watch the rookies today, you can tell that they've worked on those things, that it looks cool. a little cleaner. Like they they seemingly fit in amongst the veterans on the offensive line when they're out there with veterans. It's not as if, okay, that guy's a rookie. Look at him. You can tell his technique and his feet are just terrible. That guy's a rookie. Look, it's not perfect right, at all. But you can at least see how they're working. And, and to have a comparison point of the – First day they got here, yeah. to see them then, and to see them now, and see how far they've come in that period of time when they haven't hit anybody, when they haven't put on pads, and to hope that that improvement continues when they do put on pads. I think that's going to be obviously hugely important. That's hard for me to spot with an offensive lineman. Yeah. And and a couple of thoughts on that. There is, and I always apply it to something that a lot of people can relate to. Maybe not everybody, but most people. Golf swing, right? Yeah. yeah. If you've ever had a golf lesson, and you got to put your hand, your grip, like this, yeah. and set it up here, and then you know, so much to remember. A tennis uh, stroke, right? So much to remember. So for an offensive lineman, it, maybe this applies to a lot of positions. You put your left foot here. You put right, your right foot there. Right. 
And maybe OTAs is the time where you can do all that stuff right. without worrying about, oh, Von Miller is about to eat me alive. How am I going to deal with this? And then you revert back to whatever. This is a time to try to get that technique going. And we've talked a lot about this relative to quarterbacks, guys who try to change their arm right. slot or whatever. And then Andre always talks about during the broadcast how, hey, a lot of guys revert back when they're under pressure. They revert back to whatever sidearm or, right. or whatever bad habit they had before. Uh, so there's that. Now, the one player that improved, that I could really spot improvement in from the beginning of OTAs, this is once upon a time stuff, to the end of OTAs, was Deshaun Watson because he yeah. has the ball in his hands every single right. snap. And two years ago when he was a rookie from the very first OTA to the last, I was like, oh, boy, we've seen some big progress during yeah. these last few weeks. No doubt. And that was cool. But that's a little bit easier because, like I said, he's throwing the ball on every down. Uh, receivers, sometimes it's hard for me. You know, it, it, The hands, you can see improvement. And that's very often a year-to-year kind of thing. Uh, but I don't know. Sometimes, you know, John Perry might be telling them to run a certain route with a certain nuance to it. Right. I might not know what he said and, and what's being done and if it's the way he wanted it or whatever. So uh, it's difficult. OTAs is just a difficult time of year for a lot of people. And I think the players all want to have that carrot of let me get out there, do my thing in a real game. And they're going to yep. get it soon enough. In a oh, few yeah. weeks, we'll be in camp. Yeah, no doubt. I think when it comes to, to things that happen in OTAs, I think what you want to do is – have so many reps that practicing your technique, as they say, you know, people say practice makes perfect. I heard a coach at Oklahoma State baseball coach, longtime baseball coach there, Gary Ward. He said practice makes permanent. So you Ooh. practice it enough, it becomes permanent in whatever you're doing. And I and I've always kind of hung on to that. So it's like practice that technique so that when you do get pushed during a game, you'll revert to that technique as opposed to the to the bad habit. But that's the thing. OTAs and training camp, that's when you work on that. That's when you do those things to really lock into your technique because there's going to come a time where Von Miller's standing across from you. And then forget the technique, forget everything else. Get him blocked. Yeah. Catch the ball. Right. Get open. Then it reverts to those sort of things. But if you have practiced your technique enough, it's become permanent, that that then becomes a weapon in whatever you're trying to do on the football field. OTA talk continues. Deshaun Watson is next, so we'll talk to him about how he plans to spend his summer vacation. Hint, it's not really a vacation. Also, he'll make me look old. Not difficult to do, but it's pretty interesting stuff. And we'll have gut reaction to what he's talking about. It's all coming up on Texans Radio. Minicamp is underway, and it's more like OTAs extended the way the teams are handling it now. Most teams in the NFL, including the Houston Texans, they were out at the practice bubble today at the Houston Methodist Training Center. And they'll have another day tomorrow. We'll take it from there. Johnny and I here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio and Deshaun Watson, our guest. And we begin by asking the quarterback about the break between mini camp and training camp and how he might spend his time. For me, it's just really just kind of trying to keep the same routine. Um, trying to have a way where I come in, work out, watch some film, go on the field, do a little field work, and then kind of just rest up for the rest of the day. And do these things, but whenever I need to, you know, have fun, have fun, but also make sure I'm getting the amount of rest that I can just make sure that I'm feeling good each and every day. Okay, if you're here on July 4th or a holiday like you were that one time when I was here all alone <laughs> and you're working in the weight room, I'm just going to take you home with me, like get you out of here and get you a break. Sean, this, this off season a little different than last year because you could do certain things last year. This year you could do the full, the full thing. You could do team. You could do everything. How comfortable are you? in the offense, 
the verbiage, getting out in the huddle, all those kind of things. How comfortable do you feel now three years into it? I'm very comfortable. Um, it's, a, it's a new level of, of confidence and being able to go out there and operate. And um, they can see it. They can uh, tell whenever I'm out there operating and everything looks smooth and being able to shift motion, play call, change plays, uh, see the defense, make the right mic point. So um, this is very encouraging. I'm continuing to get better each and every day. Is practice fun? It looks like sometimes you're having a good time out there. You have the target practice with AJ. Right. and looks like you guys have a little friendly competition going there. All that makes you better, but how do you enjoy practice? Um, it's the beauty. I mean, not, not too many people get a, get the opportunity to you know go out there and, and just try to find ways to get better. And I feel like I just tell myself each and every day that you know I want to be better than, and than, than I was yesterday. And you know, whatever it takes to go out there and compete and, and just throw the football around. Uh, with the with the boys is is awesome. Do you have a little Alabama Clemson thing going on? Or is, uh, that, is that not kicked in yet? No, nah, it haven't really kicked in. I don't think it will though. The way we've been, you know, moving around and and operating because there's only so much I can say. He got him a national championship. I got me one. So, uh, yes, yeah, that's well, pretty much it. He'd probably tell you he'd have two. But then again, that don't I count. think. <laughs> <laughs> I I think maybe it was Mark that said this, that our quarterback room has more college football national championships accounted for than maybe any other NFL team. I think that's got to be. Got to be. I I don't think there's there's any way you can put that. Deshaun, this offseason you didn't have DeAndre, you didn't have Will. So you were forced to, because you didn't have them, to create synergy with guys that you've been on the field with. You've been out there with Vin. You've been out there with Kiki, but not as much as you have the other two. Right. How how important was it to create some synergy with those guys, and how did you feel that came along, that chemistry came along with those two in particular, but the receiving core that you're not really used to throwing to? Uh, it came on great, actually. Um, better than, than I think we all expected. And and really, it was nothing that we kind of focused on. It was just, hey, this is how it go, and um, you know we got to step up. And those guys knew that they had that perfect opportunity to show what the coaches, show the coaches that they can trust in them, um, and go out there and make plays and know what's going on. And so, uh, each one of those guys, even the rookies, came in and and you know made sure that everything that we wanted to do that day is uh, ran perfect. Deshaun, when you interact with the rookies, it was just a couple of years ago you were a rookie. So being the leader now, what do you tell them? What is that like working with rookie receivers or rookies of any kind? linemen, whatever, who are just getting their first taste of the NFL out there on the practice field? Uh, really just make them feel comfortable um, and, and know that, you know, I'm here to to really, you know, bring you along and, and, and really show you the ropes and, and just be able to go out there and play loose and play fun. And um, I think, you know, especially in this offense and in this league, you know, rookies continually tighten up a little bit. But uh, if you just go out there and continue to do what you did, you know, years before, but, uh, you know, make sure that you focus on your craft and watch the older guys. You'll be just fine. Sean, a week or two ago, you got a chance to have Michael Vick here and being from that part of the world, watching him when he was a Falcon. A, were you a more of a Vick fan growing up than you were a Falcon fan, or were you were you both? What what were you growing up, and what did he mean to you? Uh, probably more Vick fan than Falcon fan, but uh, it was very close. Um, I, I always rep Atlanta and Georgia, uh, but it, it was um, – it was it was it was awesome. He just kind of encouraged me to, uh, you know, play this position, have swag, have confidence, you know, be my own self, and and really just go out there and and just have fun. You know, anytime I have the ball in my hands, then I can make a play and, and be a factor with it. One more note on practice here: you guys sometimes play music out there. You don't play it, but it's played for right. you. Do you have input on that? Because every once in a while, an old song will be thrown in. Yeah. I'm going to play something right now. Like today, today, this was airing. 
Oh, and, no, that's not me right yeah, here. Yeah, I know. It's not, it's not you. It's, <laughs> nah, it's, it's hooked not. on a feeling. This is somebody totally else. Yeah. So when you hear something like that at practice, are you thinking, well, wait a minute. We got to have more power over the playlist. Or we how used, do you take I that? Mean, we used to, but I'm not sure we made the playlist this year. I definitely, <laughs> during the season, I definitely have a lot of say-so. Um, and, and the music and in the weight room, I do too. But uh, not at the practice field right now. Now, right. when you're going to the game, are you listening to the same thing almost every time, or do you mix it up? How do you I'm, have I'm that for you? I mix it up. I have a lot of uh, different, I guess, different artists that I listen to, but it's almost pretty much the same each and every week unless something new come out. What's the oldest thing you got that I might know? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you got to go I back got. a little bit. Uh, Any classics? Yeah, what's, your, yeah, what's your best old school? <laughs> Give us your best old school. I would probably what? go with something like something with Gucci Mane. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Johnny, that, I'm right. That's in my wheelhouse. Oh, that's Gucci in my man. Trap house. Right, wait. Gucci man. All right, what about what about TV? Do you watch any TV shows or? Any, I mean, you must. The only shows I really watch is like Fresh Prince, Martin. Okay, well, that's now, there. We go. Okay, Jamie Foxx. See, okay, we're going yeah, yeah. old school. Yeah, there. I love those shows. The new shows, I'm not really a fan of. Okay, I, just, I can't really get into it, but. I love, I love this. Okay. Martin. Okay, that's what we that's what we need. That that that's at least in our right. wheelhouse a little bit. <laughs> like Gucci Mane, we were like married with kids when that came out. Like to you that's old school, but yeah, the rest yeah, yeah. of us. But uh it, is there I always think of artists cuz we see you at Rockets games and you're you're next to Travis Scott. Is there somebody that you'd like to meet that you haven't met over the last couple of years of being here in Houston? Is All there right. somebody uh, that you want to meet? Houston artist? Or just anybody in in general? Um is there anybody Ooh. that you'd like to meet? I haven't met. I listened to a lot of Future and yeah. Young Thug. Um, I think those are the only two guys that I haven't met. I met pretty much all the other guys. Yeah. What are they? What's their reaction when they meet you? Uh, that's pretty cool. You know, they say what's up and you know ask about football and yeah. where I'm from. And a lot of people, you know, figure out that I'm from Atlanta. Right. A lot of the rappers are artists from from Atlanta, so. Yeah, we kind of have that connection. Yeah, what's that connection like? Because a good number of them come from that that part of the country, dirty South, et cetera. Right. That you sort of represent Atlanta to them as well. What's that kind of that interaction like? Because of that, because you do represent their area of the country as well. No, that's pretty cool. We can relate, you know, to a lot of different things and talk about, uh, I guess, different different uh, venues that we can go to and hang out and and, and kick it. If you weren't a football player and had to play another sport, and I could grant you the ability to play whatever sport, and I'm sure you have that <laughs> ability anyway, but what would it be? Would it be NBA? Would it be MLB? Would it be something if else? I, that would have... If I, like, the like real life or me just thinking? Just thinking about it, dreaming about it. Dreaming about I would probably play. If I if I can go straight to the the major leagues, I would definitely play baseball. Oh, really? But then again, I would like to go overseas and play soccer. I'd play, like, for Spain or something like that. That's big-time stuff yeah. over there. How <laughs> yeah. much has the traveling overseas kind of made you want to do more of it? I mean, I, I've, I've rarely have ever gone overseas, right. but how much for you have you been able to enjoy going over to London and the number of places that you've been? I love it. I mean, I enjoy it. They make those people over there make me feel comfortable. Um, I love the history and, and just being able to experience new culture. But also, uh, you know, they have a lot of football and either soccer facilities or football facilities that I can train at. So, uh, whenever I'm traveling, I train, too. My trainer travel with me. Deshaun, thanks so much for joining us. Thank Best you. of luck. Appreciate it. There he is, Deshaun Watson. Plenty to digest following that interview. In the, in the next segment, we'll have gut reaction to some of the things that he had to say on and off the field and gut reaction to some of the things around the world of NFL football and beyond. It's all coming up. 
on Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. We had Deshaun Watson on the show. You heard a little bit from J.J. Watt on how he's feeling. Bill O'Brien at the top of the show on the general manager situation. So it's Tuesday. I was going to say it's Tuesday, so it's gut reaction time. But we normally do this on Monday. But maybe we don't normally do it any time. It's sort of yeah, it's just there when we need it. We sprinkle it around this program that airs five nights a week on Sports Radio six ten on the Texans app at six to seven p.m. Just to let you know. Can we? Can we do the first guy reaction? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. First guy reaction. reaction. Yeah. Deshaun Watson says old school is Gucci Mane. Uh, that's <laughs> look. I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> That was one of the all-time greatest. That was, was awesome. Okay, I don't know what I was expecting because <laughs> once upon a time, I texted this to DP I, as a joke. I was listening to, I forget what it was on Sirius XM. I, I don't know. Maybe it was, it was the 90s channel. It was In the Club. No, no. In the Club was another time. Oh, that was Jesse, the, oh, okay, Yeah, okay. because In the Club, I had heard the song before, but I didn't know it was In the Club. So I saw the readout. I said, In the Club. And I'll never live that down. <laughs> I heard Coolio once, and it was—I think it was Fantastic Voyage was the song. I—I th- I really liked the song, uh, and I never Gangster's heard Paradise. Well, Gangster's Paradise is this big hit, right? But but I never heard Fantastic Voyage before. Okay, which by the way is an old movie, sci-fi from the seventies or sixties that certain old school people would mm-hmm. remember right now. Dating myself again, dated reference sort of, but it was just for historical purposes. Anyway, I thought he might go Coolio. Or might go, I don't know where he was going to go. Yeah. But Gucci Mane? I mean, the guy didn't really break till 2001. That's <laughs> you, know, you, were, you, were, you were with the Texans by 2002. Yeah. I mean, 2001, I was doing games for the Hurricanes. Watson was, you know, still in diapers or something. No, he wasn't. But he was young. Yeah. He was a young man. I mean, he's going to be 24 years old in September, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, uh, my gosh. Sec- second week of the year. Usually, because oh I remember that Cincinnati game. He turned 22 that night. So he's born Cincinnati. in 95. Okay. So, so in, in 2020, six years old. Yeah. <laughs> he's listening to Gucci. So that's old was, school. That was hilarious. Johnny, when I was six years old, I'm not going to say who was a big hit singer when I was six years old. I'm not going to do it. Oh, uh, Captain and Tennille. No. <laughs> For me. I was. Captain oh, really? Tennille. Yeah. Ah. When, I, when I was six, that would have been. Yeah. Captain and Tennille was like right there. Yeah, I was older. And then Disco. Oh, uh, uh, Disco. Yeah. Donna Summer. Drop a Captain and Tennille on Deshaun Watson. That's not hey, happening. Anyway, so my gut reaction no, to that. But, Johnny, how about how he likes the uh, old TV shows? I loved it. I loved it. Fresh we, Prince. When I, was in, when I was in college, they used to have the um, – it was fantastic because late, late, late at night on one of the Rhode Island stations, usually over the weekend, but I want to say it was during the week too, they would play Facts of Life, different strokes like 80s TV shows. Oh, yeah. And then you could get – you could get your night. You could get the Fresh Prince, which was going on while while I was in college. It was fa- it was fantastic. When he said that, we both cheered. We're like, yeah, yeah all right. And Martin, okay, uh, DP. I, I mentioned the uh, Fresh Prince thing to DP. She said all the players love Fresh Prince. They love them. It's so good. They it's love such a good that show. old Will Smith. It's a good show. And to them, that's like, what is that like for my generation? I think for because that's an old mm. show that was not on when they were young. It really wasn't. I mean, they're yeah. not. Uh, to, to some of the listeners, might be like Fresh Prince. Really, you know, think about it. Yeah. Fresh Prince was what early nineties, late eighties. Yeah. I mean, early nineties. That is old stuff to these guys. Yeah, because okay? that was his that was his resurrection, if you will, because he had he it was DJ Jesse Jeff and Fresh Prince, and then the money from the albums ran out. Mm. And I've heard him tell the story: the money from the albums ran out. He was virtually broke, and he gets this opportunity to meet with Quincy Jones about the show Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and 
he it stuck. It, he tells a he tells a better story, but it was it was early it was early nineties, like ninety one, ninety two, yeah. about around that time frame. All right, so to my generation, it's like the Gilligan's Island, I Dream of Jeannie, Adam's Family, the yeah. Monsters, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's uh, when you talk about the years versus the years. I guess I'm really dating myself well, now. Anyway, here, here's a good, here's a good one for yeah. you. My kids love Friends. They love Friends. Love Friends. Now, my wife and I watched every episode of Friends from the beginning all the way. Yeah. We watched every episode. My kids love it. Sometimes, it holds up well. Yeah. Sometimes we just will be in the house and we won't really know what's, what's on. And they'll, they'll want to, hey, let's just watch episodes of Friends. And it doesn't matter which season. They just want to watch episodes of For some reason, How come sports shows it? don't hold up well? White Shadow didn't hold up. Coach doesn't hold up. Some of these sports-themed programs don't hold up. I don't know why. I, I, part of it is... Part of it is, I think, that, well, now, I, I'm sort of a snob when it comes to my sports movies. Yeah. Like, I can take the Fresh Prince, like, when they played on the basketball court on the Fresh Prince, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like a third the size of a real sure, basketball sure. court. I can look past that on Fresh Prince, mm-hmm. but if your show is a sports-driven show, then, like, for example, White Shadow, yeah. the basketball better be pretty darn good. But the thing is, is if it's good... It gets dated. Like yeah. watching 1970s basketball, watching watching <laughs> basketball dated. now. It's a there's no three point line. Yeah, it's just it's Coolidge. Was he a big man? Yeah, was Coolidge. Coolidge was, Coolidge was <laughs> awesome. Salami, Coolidge, salami. It was tremendous. I mean, it was a tremendous. John Pendergast is listening right now. He's wanting in on this conversation so bad. I can't even tell you how much because I did a show with Shawnee for a long time. I know exact like. We're, just, we're putting it on a tee right now for Sean. He's like, I want it. And we're getting texts. I, yep. I know we're getting texts. But, yeah, that. I mean, think about it. That was, yeah, that was right when Deshaun was growing up, but just going back and watching those reruns. And that's the thing. Sometimes the fashion comes back. Mm-hmm. But early 90s fashion was sort of. Uh, did Will Smith have the flat top in Fresh Prince? I think so, yes. A la Andre Ware during the Heisman run. <laughs> yes. Okay, got it. No, that's that's a real thing. No, that is a that's very, a real thing. A Every photo, thing. he's like, all right. See, I, when I think of flat top, I think of kid and play. I don't think of. Uh, I don't no. think of Drake. Well, but that yes, kid right. play is very exaggerated. That's like yeah. eraser head flat top. Yes. I mean, Andre had the standard. He did. He did have the standard. of the day flat top. All right. What else do you have for gut reaction? Okay, gut reaction. This was from Aaron Suttles, who run, writes for the Athletic. Yeah. He also does a radio show with our good friend Cole Kublik down in Birmingham okay. on on Jocks down there. Great. Great radio station, Birmingham, Alabama. He was on with Feinbaum, and he said this. I found this interesting. Get your gut reaction to this. Nick Saban has never been accused of having fun, but there is a sense of changing with the times, and the program is trying to do more to show you can have fun when you come to Alabama. Your gut reaction to Nick Saban's reaction to getting beat by the fun school, Clemson, in the national championship. Okay, so I imagine this happened. After they get beat by Clemson, Again, okay. It wasn't back to back, but it was again. Right. right. Now, Saban sitting around the conference room with his staff. The entire football operations mm-hmm. team has been called in, and Saban catches on that Clemson has fun. Yeah, they have so a he's slide like, in the facility. Like, he he puts it out there for them. He said, "This is a directive. I want to know what this fun thing is. Can you guys do some research on what they mean by fun? I don't. I've never heard of this. I've never had any." I don't even know what election night is. I want to know what fun is. So you guys research fun and find out how we can integrate fun into our program. Let's research 
and go about this. So uh, that's probably how it happened, Johnny, because, yeah, clearly Alabama doesn't have much fun. But how? They're like the Patriots. Remember the pa- – who said the Patriots don't have fun? I mean, I know a couple of players oh, did. Uh, Brandon Brooks did. Lane Johnson did. Lane Johnson, the tackle for the Eagles, he said okay. that. He was very vocal about that. That they don't very, have fun. Oh, that's right, vocal. because the Eagles won the Super Bowl and they have fun. The Patriots don't have fun. And then the Patriots turned around and won the Super Bowl the next year. I know. So teams have fun, teams don't have fun. It's look, it, it's all it's all the same. But I, I, I found that quote to be very interesting. Like, hey, wait a second. What did that team what was that team doing that beat us? Yeah, I, can you imagine to? Can you imagine sitting around the room and you were the guy charged with that responsibility, right? And you're a quality assistant coach, and Austin, it's like, okay, what what is it? What are they doing, uh, well, coach? <laughs> they're they're having fun. And just how, how, I can have fun. I can have fun. Watch, we'll cut this meeting down an hour tonight until <laughs> ten o'clock at night. Hey. Order me some fun. Yeah, exactly. Can I order that on Amazon.com? Some fun. Uh you cannot. Okay, got reaction to this one. Okay. Jalen Ramsey says mm-hmm. he will not get a contract extension this year from the Jaguars. Then he put on Twitter the oh, famous no. Deion Sanders quote. Oh, no. I'm going to ask for so much money they're going to have to put me on layaway. Your gut reaction. Well, I like quoting Deion Sanders, who, by the too. way, it's interesting to me, and this goes to show you how the young, will always be, not disrespected, but they'll be looked upon as lazy, maybe maybe not even, not in this case lazy, but maybe disrespectful, wild, crazy, out of control by the old, right? right? And just like we talk about the millennials all the time. Well, the millennials are getting older. Now it's really Gen Z, right? right? But we talk right. about the old will always look at the young a certain way. And to hear Dion talk about some of the younger players, like, you got to know better. Right. But Dion Sanders was a total rebel when he yes, played. I mean, completely. Rebel, right? And he said stuff like that. So it's funny to me when players quote him. But Dion is one of the more um, respected, uh, more highly looked upon former players in this league because they can relate to him, it yeah. feels like. A lot of players can. You know, he, had, he was so ahead of his time with all the swag. And, right. You know, the way he went about his business. You know, a lot of people, high-stepping in the end zone, a lot of people at the time were like, what are you doing? Yeah, and, that was a no-go. And today, when you see players do it, a lot of play, a lot of people say that. You know, what are you doing? Yeah, high-stepping into the end zone. You're, you're drawing too much attention to yourself. Speaking of, did you see the Dodgers-Giants little, little mini brouhaha the other day? One of the Dodgers hit a bomb off Madison Bumgarner, and he was admiring it. And basically, Bumgarner was like, run the bases, fool. And the guy was like, Hey, if you don't like it, go get the ball out of the bay. <laughs> it, was, it was actually it was a it was a good comeback. I appreciate that. I like that. that one. Here's here's a couple of things as it pertains. I, I like hearing this from a Texan standpoint. And here's why: the, the Jags are already tied up against the cap, yeah. so the Jaguars are going to have to get very financially creative to a sign Yannick Ngakwe this year because right. apparently he wants a contract extension. He's not at minicamp because he wants a contract extension this year, and b then to sign Jalen Ramsey. For all the people that are have been in Houston and been saying, you got all this cap room. What are you doing with all this cap room? This is how it gets blown up yeah. very quickly. you got to be very careful because in a year quickly. or two, you could be in deep trouble. Because the Jaguars back in 2016 had oodles of cap space. Used it, had a great run, 
But it was one year. Right. It was you know, one what year. the local colonists talked about? Yeah, and the Jags were a quarter away from the Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah, I know. That was great. Good for them. Right. I mean, I'd love to be a quarter away from the Super Bowl, take my shot that way. But I don't want to have the follow-up year that they had. Right. I mean, where are they now? I yeah, know they exactly. got Nick Foles. We'll see. But uh, it's not happy camping, it appears, in minicamp for them. But if you're going to sign Yannick Ngakwe and Jalen Ramsey over the next couple of years, there are going to be four, five, maybe six guys that are going to have to come off that roster or two or three big-name guys that you're going to have to get rid of. Clayus Campbell, is he going to stick around? I mean, can you con- can you continue to pay him? Marcel Darius, you're going to pay him? Tough. The point being, when you have cap space, if you are not smart with it, it blows up in your face just like this is in Jacksonville. Now. And they're not able to take care of the guys the way they want to. Right, yeah. right. I mean, why is Deshaun Gibson here? For that particular reason. Right. So, and that and was my we'll, gut we'll, uh, we'll hope for great things from him at the safety spot. I got a gut reaction for you. Okay. Andrew Luck not practicing at minicamp. Now, I'm not going to sound the alarm here, Johnny, but the calf injury, calf strain, which is worse than it sounds because you know who had a calf strain who got an Achilles injury last Mm -hmm. night? Yeah. Kevin Durant. Now, I'm not saying Andrew Luck's going to get an Achilles injury, but if there were any thoughts about practicing Andrew Luck during minicamp, I'm sure last night was like, you Uh, know what? We'll sit him down you for go a over while. There. My gut reaction is, man, if that were in training camp, I might, I might pay a little bit more attention to it. But yeah. I think it goes back to, to look, he's only, he's only been in Frank Reich's offense a year. Yeah. So having more time, I think, would have been helpful. But he did okay. Yeah. He, I think he's, I think he's fine. <laughs> he unfortunately, got it going. Unfortunately, we're going to see that Joker again twice this year. Well, the other, maybe more. The other reaction to that story is, well, a year ago he was throwing a Nerf ball or I something, know. the high school football, and we are thinking he's not going to be ready. There's no way because I felt victim of what I beg everybody not to feel or fall victim of, which is. You see something happen in sports, and you expect it to continue the same way. Yeah. You just expect, oh, this happened once. It's going to continue the same way. Or this happened a couple of times. And Andrew Luck had missed some time. He'd missed some significant time, and he just felt like he, felt like he was never going to come back. Or that was a possibility anyway. And then he comes back super-duper strong. So he's out right now. But as you mentioned, he's six weeks, seven weeks away from camp. He should be okay. We'll see what happens, though. You know we'll be following that story with great interest. No doubt. And the Colts, it's pretty tough for the Colts. They end up on the road at the Chargers, at the Titans the first two weeks. Opening up on the road like we did last year. Mm-hmm. On the road twice. They get Then they get two at home, but still. The first two got to go on the road to go to L.A. and then to Tennessee. It's a tough road. Listen, the teams in the division are not – there are no breaks to start the year. We start with the Saints. The Colts start with the Chargers. The Jags start with the Chiefs. Ooh. and That could I, be a rough weekend for the AFC South. And the Titans start with the Browns. You know, I hate to go Drew Doherty on you here, but I love Drew Doherty, so I will. And, you know, when we're having conversations about the team and talking about how things are difficult sometimes and, ooh, is this going to work out? Is that going to work? When you start to feel a little bit of doubt creeping in, or mm-hmm. maybe not even doubt, but just uncertainty, he always reminds us of a certain number, and that would be four. And I was reminded of that today. I was watching the Texans work out at the practice bubble at the Houston Methodist Training Center, and I thought, you know what? New Orleans is going to be a tough opener, but guess what? You get to bring Deshaun Watson with you to that fight, Yes, and I'll take my chances, along with everybody else. But right. to have a quarterback like that, I'm watching him operate out there, and I'm thinking, that's our guy. He's fun to watch in mm-hmm. practice, never mind in games. This is going to be good. So let's get him ready 
and take our shot in the Superdome on Monday night. And he likes Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And there's that, too. You got any other that's gut it. reaction for me? I no, got, that's uh, good. We, we, right, I think I, we exhausted him. All right, we were talking a little bit about the Patriots, and I, I hinted on this last night. So just a couple of minutes left here. A thought on this. I said you're dealing with the Golden State Warriors in the AFC. You really are. You know, no this is This is something that everybody in the AFC has had to deal with. Them and the way they're operating. However you want to define how they do it. Because everybody's got theories. I mean, the basic thing is Belichick's the greatest coach ever and Brady's the best quarterback ever. And by the way, they have a great system. And having said that, look at how close these things are. Look at how close they've won their Super Bowls. Look at Malcolm Butler. Look at 13 points wins you a Super Bowl against Mm -hmm. a high-octane offense like the Rams. There's a fine line in this league. And it's the old coaching cliché. The stuff they give your guys in the offseason. You're working out here. You feel you're tired. This is in the offseason. You feel you're tired. How are they feeling in Jacksonville? Now, I'm making this up. I don't hear the coaches saying this, but I imagine they're saying something like this. Of course. How, what are they doing in Tennessee right now? What are they doing in Indianapolis right now to get ready? you got to do more. you got to do better or whatever it is. And that work goes into crossing those fine lines during the course of the regular season and into the postseason. So, that work is taking place right now. It's just fascinating to me how much goes into this process. And it really is, like Pacino says on any given Sunday, the inches are everywhere that they're trying to find and get an edge on. 2000, since 2013 in the NFC, one, two, three, four, five. Only one time did the same team go to the Super Bowl. Seattle. Seattle. In the AFC, it's been Broncos, Patriots, Broncos, Patriots, 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 Patriots. It's an annual tradition. But the NFC's had five different teams over six years. Yeah. And then if you go further, beyond the Seahawks two years, you had the Niners, the Giants, the Packers, the Saints, the Cardinals. All different teams. You've had how many from the NFC? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven different teams. Crazy. Over the AFC? Two. Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. Thank you. That's going to do it for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 o'clock. Day two of minicamp. We'll have all the activity for you here on the program. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.